Welcome to another episode of Have a Chat. Today's guest, Lockie Cameron, all the way from Narrabri. Born and bred in a little country town called Narrabri, um, long way out west. Um, <laughs> God's country, I call it. Um, pretty much everyone in Australia would disagree with me there, but um, except for about six and a half thousand people that live in Narrabri. Um, I was going to say, what was the population? Six and a half, yeah. It's not, it's not huge, yeah, is it? it? It depends who you talk to. I mean... <laughs> um how big we are but uh or who we're trying to impress <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um yeah born and bred um and um yeah just uh typical country kid upbringing um you know walking down the river have a swim a little yeah. bit different to walking down the beach but um it was our little piece of paradise um you know backyard footy um or cricket um riding bikes then uh yeah love love my sport um yeah got the opportunity to go down to sydney which is uh when i met born here um yeah. moved down to manly when i was um 18 um spent four years down there opportunity to play a bit of footy down there um manly marlins yep. um and that's um yeah obviously where we're running to each other um yeah. i think i was there the year before you maybe i think i was 2005 um first yeah, year I was six yeah yeah um so um yeah it was well and truly out of my comfort zone um i still remember i think about two weeks in um i remember ringing the old man and pretty much telling him i was i was done with it already and i was coming home um i'd sort of i guess when you're a, a big fish in a small pond i guess out here um and then you're the little fish in the big pond um in the big smoke I remember I went down there and I was um, sort of first game, I was in fourth Colts and back when they had fourth Colts and, yeah. um, you know, thinking and this was all a bit of a mistake and, you know, I was I was coming down here to play some serious footy but was sort of playing in the lower grades and, um, yeah, it was probably, I look back at now and it was pretty, pretty soft of me to be even thinking about that, like, uh, rang the old man and said, you know, um, bugger this, um, could play better footy back at home. Um, I'm that I'm done. And he pretty much has said that there's absolutely no way that's happening pretty much hard enough. Um, yeah. And yeah, he sort of just said, look, you haven't even given it a chance yet. Um, mm. and yeah. He said, look, give it, give it time. He said, if, um, he goes, you've got to give it at least one season. If if after one season you're still not liking it, uh, not comfortable, um, haven't really made it up the grades or whatever, he said, mate, I'll be down there. I'll help you pack your place up. But he said, until then, he said, stick it out. And, um, yeah, I'm just forever grateful he did because uh, three weeks later I was, I was in first Colts and just absolutely loving, loving it after that. Um, I only lasted two weeks in first Colts and got dropped again, but uh, <laughs> the, I got absolute bath from a guy called Rory Sidley who ended up playing um, professionally in France. So um, nothing to be ashamed of there. Exactly. At the time, I was pretty ashamed because he absolutely <laughs> schooled me. Um, it was uh, it was a real welcome to the city, mate. Um, learn how to play footy. <laughs> yeah. This is the big smoke now, mate. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> country footy is not the same. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, um, but yeah, a lot. Of, it was very different footy. Um, lot, probably a little bit more physical 
footy out here. We were playing yep. against – I'd sort of – I'd got an opportunity to play a bit of first grade here before I left. So I was playing against men when I was still sort of 16 and 17. Yeah. Um, to then go back to playing under 20s, um, a lot less physical, but just the speed of the game was just incredible. Um, but, yeah, I guess um, being the kid in first grade here, I used to get belled up a bit and um, – yeah. They'd, they'd sort of go after me a little bit, and I'd, you know, I used to cop a few punches in the bottom of a ruck or something. Just a bit of a welcome to first grade, son. Um, so I appreciated not copying that every week when I went to Sydney. <laughs> um, it, um, yeah, it was, um, it was great, and um, yeah, spent a couple of years in in Colts down there, and um, managed to land myself a, a uh, apprenticeship at a golf course, which was. It was, it was an interesting one because I used to bargain with my brother to get out of mowing, mowing the lawn at home, oh, um, mum yeah. and dad's lawn. I, I, I used to, um, you know, bargain with him any way I can. I'd yeah. offer to do all different kinds of stuff to get out of it yeah. and um, then end up choosing it as a profession. So, uh, <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not really sure. It was it was a weird one. I'd um, We were just driving around the northern beaches and – I was just reading through the paper and I, was, I saw it in the Manly Daily, this yeah. apprenticeship. And I said to the old man, I said, oh, just pull over, have a look at this job. And we pull over and um, he has a bit of a read and he said, righto. And he grabbed the old Gregory's out, oh. <laughs> the old uh, the map book. Yeah, the, the uh, street directory. It's not yeah. existent now. <laughs> I the Gregory street directory. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Um <laughs> So yeah, they're they're really non-existent now. No, um, we pulled that out, and um, we said we'll, we'll look where this manly golf course is, and we were literally in the car park of the clubhouse where we pulled over. Um, we sort of just looked up, and went, "Oh, we're here." So um, we're actually in quite the wrong place in that the uh, the job was obviously at the greens the green shed. So uh, yeah, we're on Bowgale Road. We had to be on Kenneth Road, but. Um, just weird coincidence and it was sort of a case of, you know, this this must be meant to be type of thing and uh, lucky enough to get the job and spent four years doing that and absolutely loved it. Uh, worked with some great people there um, and, yeah, got a certificate out of it in the end yeah. um, and uh, it worked really well with the footy. I was, first and foremost, I was down there to play footy yeah. um, and, um and that worked in really well that I could still commit properly to my job as well as um, play footy. So, so it was a good balance kind of thing um, to be able to spend doing the footy and and getting a little bit of a career on, on the Yeah, way. it was good to walk away with, with, with a civet at the end of it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the, at the time, my boss was really good with um, – and, yeah, I tried to be the best I could as far as – making sure I was committed fully to the job as well as committing fully to, to training and playing and that kind of thing as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, that was, um, it was a good mix. Um, and yeah, so I spent, um, spent four years, got uh, one year in grade footy. Um, was it your choice to come down originally to Sydney or yeah, to, play, I, to play rugby? Yeah, um, at the time we had a, we had a school teacher at my school that had uh, played for Manly and, okay. I was pretty pretty keen to get to Sydney to play some sort of sport and I was probably playing a little bit better footy at the time than cricket yeah. um, as far as the next level. Um, and I just I just 
I wanted to play sport in Sydney, whatever sport it was. I just, yep. I wanted to, I wanted to get to Sydney and um, I got, um, I sort of got scouted by Ranwick at a school game um, and I nearly went there and uh, then I, I'd talked to a guy from Manly at another rep carnival, yep. uh, Paul Hull. I don't know, if, was he there when you were there? I think he might have left that year. Yeah, I don't recall I think he was that. Only there my yeah. first year. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I talked to Paul Hull at a rep at a at a rep carnival about Manly as well. And then with this school teacher that was also a, an old Manly player, he sort of said, "Mate, it's a great club. Um, I'll um, I'll sort of make make a few calls as well and see if we can't sort you out there." And um, yeah, I'm glad he did. Manly was a great club. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I would have been much better off there than someone like Ranwick. I think Coogee might have been a bit much yeah. uh, living there. And, um, Manly just so laid back. And that's, yeah. Um, yeah um, and coming from the country. It, it suited me. Yeah. Coming yeah, from- absolutely. And I had a mate at Ranwick and he, he struggled a little bit with the, I guess, that more intense city life. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was that was where that came about. Yeah. Um, I just, I mean, every every kid that plays any sort of sport wants to play at the highest level they can. I think, yeah, and definitely, um, yeah. So that's what sort of brought that on, yeah. So being down here for four years, experiencing city life, you know, enjoying, you know, living in Manly, getting a, an apprenticeship and everything. That's pretty, pretty. It's a lot going on within the four years. What sort of then happened, like changed, or what made you want to go back to Narrabri and sort of live back were you always looking to live in the country uh it was sort of just a short-term stint and how did that all pan out from that you know having your chapter of playing rugby um you know in sydney yeah so um i guess this is where the story sort of takes a bit of a i wouldn't say a dark turn but um i went down with the once i'd sort of settled there i was i was keen to stay i really liked it down there and um i was I was, yeah, I was accustomed enough to the city that I wanted to stay there. And then uh, my third year down there, I had a had a couple of injuries. I probably wasn't um, maybe committed as much as I probably should have. I was I was probably enjoying the city too much. If yeah. um, you understand where I'm coming from, yeah, there, um, yeah, got caught yeah, up with it all, um, kind of thing, off the field, kind yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I know. I got injured playing against West Harbour. Um, did a did a foot injury that um, was a bit of an uncommon one, but it was actually one that could have actually ended my footy, um, okay. which was a it was a bit of a scary thought at the time. Um, only being twenty, um, but yeah, I, um, I I snapped the ligament at the base of my foot, which um, yeah, it was. Um, well, it, yeah, it was. It was not. It was. It was painful. Yeah, um, I can imagine. And yeah, in a moon boot and that kind of thing. And um, basically, I just had to play a waiting game to make sure it was going to heal because surgery wasn't an option. Um, if they, the surgeon pretty much said, if we try and operate this, we potentially risk um, more damage and you'll struggle to walk. So it was sort of a um, a little bit scary. But mm. my. I didn't do for something so serious. I really didn't do my rehab properly. Yeah. Um, I pretty much just chucked it, chucked it, chucked my boot, my foot in a moon boot, and then mm. basically just turned into a 
Boozhead for the next, um, yeah, yeah, you know, I think five weeks, um, just a couple of nights a week. Um, whereas I was probably, um, you know, a Saturday night after the footy, yeah, maybe the odd Sunday session. Um, I really started, you know, weekdays as well. I couldn't work, um, at that time because yeah. of my foot. Um, put on a lot of weight. I reckon I put on about 10 kilos in the space of that five weeks. Yeah, wow. That's um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, I really ballooned out to the point that when I got back, I actually, see, I, con- I conned the physio into giving me a, an early clearance um, mm. three weeks early. Um, uh, a combination of just, you know, you want to you want to seem like you're the tough guy and, you know, you come back early and you can play through pain and all that kind of thing. But I really wasn't physically or mentally ready. Um, I definitely wasn't physically ready. I was well overweight. Uh, an outside back that was pretty much just fat. Um, yeah. Couldn't really move properly. And, yeah, I um, f- first game back, I... Um, I played Warringah too, so it was oh, it was the local no. derby. I just I had to get back for it. Yeah, um, we got we got a win. Um, oh, that's good. But it was it was a funny one. We got a win, and I got two points best and fairest um, from the or one point best and fairest from the referee. Wow! But I got dropped the next week, um, and uh, I remember just absolutely having a blow up with uh, the coach at the time, Dan Brown. Um, yeah, how could I get best and fairest points but get dropped? And he pretty much just said, mate, you, you're not going to fit the game plan we want to play. Um, yeah, he goes, you're playing like a forward from fullback. Like, he just said, like, <laughs> you, you just pretty much, like, he open on a thing, you're fat and slow. Yeah. And at the time, I was just ropeable. I was yeah. like, you don't know anything, whatever, like, um, but he was a hundred percent right, and um, looking back at it now, like my the guy that replaced me, Morto, Tommy Morton. Oh, yeah, Tommy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. What an athlete he is! Like oh, he's yeah. he's a freak. He's running yeah. everywhere these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, mate. Strava. Yeah, he's watching him on Strava, buddy. Um, but um, mate, he he's fast, and he they wanted to play an up tempo game, and. Like I was, I was captain of that side. Um, yeah, I, don't yeah, know, I remember yeah, that. I was captain. Of that. Yeah, um, I was captain of the Colt side, and I, I was playing reserve grade. It was um, playing, playing um, seconds Colts. Second. It was, it was really weird, and I didn't. Um, I definitely didn't react the way I should have. I instead of taking it as a challenge and taking the challenge up, I went the other way and just thumbed my nose to it all. Mm. Um, did nothing to try and get myself in better shape again. Um, pretty much just went, well, this is how it's going to be. Then this is how it is. I'll, I'll just play seconds and um, I continued just partying pretty much. Yeah. Didn't train anymore. Well, didn't train properly. Just yeah. did what I needed to do. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's one thing that I just absolutely regret is I finished that year well, I didn't finish here in state. I did. Uh, Dan gave me a, a stint off the bench in the very last game. Yeah. And it was an absolute pity start. It was a um, – no, it was an – it was – I 100% think he thought – because I played three years in Colts. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, 
I'd done more than what most people got to do in Colts end at first. And I think he pretty much just thought it's not the way I should finish my Colts career. And he, he put me on with about 20 minutes to go in our last game. Yeah. Uh, we were up pretty, pretty heavily, I think against Penrith or someone. And yeah, um, it was, it was dead set out of pity, I think, but um, yeah. Um, and from and there, probably, I guess... I that just, probably wasn't satisfying for you at the time too. You probably weren't... Even though you got on, you probably were like, oh, mate, the game's gone. Yeah, absolutely. I, at the time, I was, I was appreciative of it um, yeah. because I did get finished there. Um, I saw it for what it was. I did yeah. see it as a pity one, but I was still appreciative for it. And that's yeah. probably... I guess that that's goes good. to show the mental state I was in, that yeah. um, I was sort of happy to accept the pity, pity selection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was, I wasn't in a real good headspace at all, and um, and then it, it got worse after that. We, um, well, it got better, and then it got worse. I mean, you went to, we went to Fiji after that. Yep. Um, and I'd actually just got myself good enough then that I actually was back captain of that touring side. Yeah. And um, back starting fullback again. Um, for those couple of games, I still wasn't in very good shape, but obviously had done enough that, um, yeah, back to being the skipper. Um, and that Fiji trip was unreal. It was, as you know, it was a, it was a great experience and um, still memories to this day of that. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, but then went south again. Um, just after we got back from Fiji, we were um, – the old Kenneth Roadhouse that oh, uh, yeah. you would have spent a few Saturday nights at. Sure did. The party house. <laughs> um, we had the basketball. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who didn't, mate? I reckon there was um, half a manly there at some point. Um, didn't even know people that were there. No, you'd meet new people when <laughs> you rock yeah, up. Yeah, rocking up. <laughs> like, hey. Yeah, mate. Yeah, we'd... Uh, yeah. I did set, remember just rocking up from work one day and... Like there'd be there'd be people in the backyard that I didn't even know that had just let themselves in. Good old days. Great times, mate. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we you know as you know we had the little basketball court set up in the backyard, yeah. and um, I uh, I was going up um, thinking I was uh, Air Jordan and um, and uh, big layup, and just got checked in the air a little bit and come down and um and rolled my ankle and um misdiagnosed um went to the hospital and originally was told it was broken then told it wasn't broken um then they pretty much just told me to it was just a bit of a sprain and it'll get better and then I'd sort of so that was November we started pre-season back in February and um I um, got back to pre-season training and was um, was was running around and they sort of just waved me over and sort of said, you know, you're not you're not right. And I said, no, something wrong with my ankle. And to the club's credit, they then sent me for an MRI and it turned out I had a, a Taylor Dome fracture, which is quite a serious injury. Um, I was uh, in surgery two days later. Um, wow. To to get that that fixed. Um, which was just another setback, and I, I um I fought hard to get back from that injury. Um, yep. I actually did a few few of the right things, and 
but by the time I'd got back, it was three quarters of the way through the season. So I was sort of, you know, getting a little bit of a going third grade, but mainly in fourth grade. It's always like coming into grade and then halfway through the season as well. Um, you know, I got a couple of games of third grade and was play- I actually played some, I thought I played some pretty good footy there and even the coaches had sort of said, you're playing pretty good, but, you know, we've had this team set all year and um, so I sort of bided my time there and I was sort of focusing towards the next year and, and I did, I sort of got myself in a pretty good headspace then and, you know, finished the year off pretty strong um, and then led into the summer, um, trained really hard over the off-season um, but it was also partied, partied pretty hard as well. But yep. I was sort of – I was the fittest I'd been since I'd been down there, but I was also probably the most unhealthy I'd been since I'd been down there. I was um, eating a hell of a lot, drinking a hell of a lot, but training a hell of a lot. Yep. Um, and was really hitting my straps when we let into pre-season training for that next year. And um, But mentally I was – I just – I was in a really bad headspace mentally and little things were affecting me that shouldn't have. And um, I remember it got to the point where I was, I was my, my boss who I'd been with for, you know, the four years at the, at the golf course actually sent me on a, he pretty much just said, you, you're going on annual leave. And I said, mate, I don't want to. And he said, no, you are. He said, you've got leave there. You, I don't want to see you for two weeks. Mm. He said, I don't he said go either go home, get out of Sydney, do what you need to do, but you're not you're not there, you're not right. Mm. I can I can just tell. And so he could see it. He could see it kind of thing. What you're going through some, you know, tricky times and wasn't in a great mental state. Yeah. And would you say this this mental state was probably deteriorating over the years and it sort of just got to a point where it sort of started taking more control of you, would you say? Or was it just a spontaneous thing like you know, at the time you sort of just... No, it was definitely a... It was a flow-on effect. It was... Yeah. It probably started with that first ankle injury and yep. uh, well, probably started a little bit before that, but things were going really well yeah. um, before that injury. So it was sort of... It was probably lingering there before it, but you don't notice it because things are going so well. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after those couple of little injury setbacks, then it was sort of snowballing. And then even when I got... When I... I was telling myself I was in a good place. I still wasn't. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the telltale signs are there when you think about it. I mean, I was living with Sebi, who you yep. know, who's now a big celebrity chef over in Russia. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, mate, he's, uh, he's killing it. Um, he used to be able to talk the talk, but now he's actually walking the walk, so good on him. <laughs> you experienced <laughs> like, it firsthand. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, mate, yeah. So um, we were, it was just the two of us living together at one point and with him as a chef and me, so I was working during the day, he was working during the night. So I was, I was sort of closing myself off to the world a little bit and I was going from very introverted, um, just locking myself in a bedroom yeah. to then I'd pretty much make myself be an extrovert and... Um, I'd go out and I'd um, I'd get a couple of beers into me and then I'd be what would seem the most extroverted person around, yeah. but it was it was fake. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say I'm an, an out and out introvert, but I'm definitely not an out and out extrovert. But yeah. I would have seemed that way at the time. Um, and there was no middle ground. It was either 
quite locked in my room or um, really loud, full of full of grog, um, and you know, two and three day benders. Yeah. Um, and you look back at that, and you're like, it's it's um, yeah, you live in the highest highs and the lowest lows, but the, the highest highs were probably fake at the time. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I've um, I rang uh, I rang my folks, and I'd, I'd sort of told them what what was going on and what my boss had said, and um, we uh, we decided. Mum and Dad said that they said let's let's get you out of Sydney, but let's not bring you back to Narrabri. So. We, uh, I met them at the Central Coast. I drove up to the Copacabana and the oh, Central yeah. Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, we um, just, um, yeah, checked in at a little beach house thing there and spent a week just as a family, mum and dad and me. Um, and it was it was great. We had a week there, and you know it was it was enjoyable. And then, well, I thought it was enjoyable, but. Dad had sort of, um, I guess, picked up maybe a few of the same signs that my boss had picked up. And I remember we were just sitting there and he, he just said, what's, you know, what's up? Is it Sydney? Is it is it the footy? What What's going on? You're not you. And I said, no, just folding it off. No, I'm right, mate. Yeah. I'm right. Yep. And he said, well, you're not. And then um, I remember just completely breaking down and – not really a crier. Um, I was as a kid. I was a bit of a sook as a kid. Um, yeah. But as a as I got to sort of teen years, you know, oh yeah, you get that whole like I'm tougher than everyone else. Sort of, you don't like it's yeah, it's and, and you, skin, you know, like, like it's I'm all yeah. good. Yeah, I can just brush it off or push it down, kind of thing, or to the side, sort of, and not deal with the issues or what's yeah. happening, you know, at the time. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and it was a real weakness to cry, and especially my old man's like my old man's a bit of a hero, like to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he doesn't cry, like. And then I've just like I've just lost it. I've just just burst burst into tears and sobbing. Just pretty much said, "I, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know what's wrong with me. Um, I don't know what's I don't know what's wrong, but there is something wrong. I just I'm not I'm not happy." Um, yeah. And um, he said, what are you going to do about it? And I said, look, I don't know. I was yeah. like, um, you know, hopefully, you know, these couple of weeks of just recharging the batteries, um, you know, maybe I'll be better. Um, but, you know, that was, you know, as as we are packing up to leave. So they've gone, they've sort of gone to back home to Narrabri. I've jumped in the car and I'm heading along the F3 um, back to back to Sydney, and uh, it's kind of strange. the The song uh, "Small Town" by John Mellencamp. Yeah, um, it comes on the radio, and I'm just I just noticed myself sort of just singing along to it. Um, and uh, don't mind a bit of Mellencamp at the best of times, um, <laughs> but "Small Town" was probably not one of my go tos actually. But um, you know, I just um, it just resonated with me and. I'm just, I've never thought of it for the lyrics or anything like that. And, um, I, um, I just, I stopped, I I, I pulled over, um, pulled over where the next spot to pull over, um, and just 
jumped on the phone and I, I just rang mum and dad who were on the way home and I just said, I'm, um, I'm going to come home. I mm. said, I, I think it's, I don't know if it's Sydney or, but it, it might be, but I just, I'm, I'm just going to get out of here. I'm, I'm going to move back to Narrabri. And so that song I think it was a bit of a shock you, to them. But yeah, so that song literally made you make that decision or that sort of brought that thought pattern on as soon as you listened to that song. Yeah, it was yeah. just it was a it was a, it was a trigger. Um, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, um, it was the one thing that just remember clear to this day that just hearing that on the radio and it just um, yeah, I just as I said, I I just waited to the next um, next spot where I could pull over and just rang mum and dad and they were um, yeah they were about singleton or something on the way home and I just said I'm I'm done I'm I'm, I'm done here I'm I'm moving back home yeah. and. Uh, they were they were shocked, um, but I think part of them was maybe a little bit relieved after the way we'd finished up at the Central Coast. Like they obviously knew that something was up. Um, so I, I pretty much I, I continued. I drove back to to um, to Dy where I was living at the time, and um, and I don't I don't really know. I don't think I even unpacked my bag when I got back there. I I just um, when I got back there, Seb, who I was living with at the time, he was he was there, and I just said, um, "Mate, I, I need to have a yarn to you." And he sort of gave me a weird, weird look, um, and I said, "Mate, I'm you know I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to find a new roommate." And he was sort of a bit shocked, and I just said, "Mate, I'm I'm done. I'm I'm out of here." And he sort of what do you mean? And I said, mate, I'm, I'm done. And then I think he sort of sat back for a sec and sort of thought about it a bit more. And then he sort of just shrugged his shoulders and went, good move. Um, I think yeah. he could even see yep. the little changes um, in me. And um, so, yeah, I was, I went and gave my, my couple of weeks notice at work. I did all the right things there and, I had intentions. I was only going to go back home for six months yep. and then I was going to come back um, to the point where I was even talking to work about, you know, how would I go about coming back in six months' time because I'm just going to go back for six months and recharge the batteries and then come back. I want to want to give things another go. And then, um, you know, everything, they were really good about that. And um, uh, But, yeah, I'm pretty much up and left. With, the, with two weeks, pretty much. Yeah, um, making that decision. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, – well, I've talked to uh, a couple of guys from the, the rugby club that didn't even know I'd gone, like, until the, the next training session. Um, yeah. uh, I think Swartz, Swartzy, for instance, he's actually moved to Narrabri now, Alex oh, Swartz. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he made the comment that, yeah, he's like, one day you're here, the next day you're gone. And – um, yeah, I just sort of slipped out of town quietly and um, just went back to Narrabri. There was no farewell parties or yeah. anything like that. I pretty much – I don't even really know how many people I told. I just just sort of up and left. I told yeah. the people that needed to know and then um, – but, yeah, got back to Narrabri and um, it felt home. Yep. Um, I probably still didn't – I was enjoying it, but I still wasn't 
like I was I put on a lot of weight when I came back home. I, I really struggled with my weight. Um, and I actually through, got to, you know, is that through diet and, um, hey? is that through your diet and lifestyle? Would you say with the weight issue when you got back home as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'd gone from that, you know, fairly professional setting at Manly, um, to then back to bush footy where the training is as intense and, um, you know, you probably need to do a little bit more on your own than, than what you're doing. And, I guess I just got back into that thing. I was around all the guys I grew up with and stuff. And, you know, I'd, I'd muck around a bit at training without even really training hard. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just like every weekend I was just catching up with someone new. So I was I was hitting the, the bottle pretty hard. And um, But, yeah, by the end of the year, I wasn't even playing good footy and country footy, um, yeah. which is disappointing because – like I felt like I was sort of just starting to play some good footy in Sydney and then to come back and not play very good footy in Narrabrite was, <laughs> um, yeah, I look back at it now and go, fuck, what the hell, dude? Like, um, <laughs> but, but it was probably yeah, the, to, it was the timing yeah. of it too to sort of help you identify that you weren't in a good place because you, you've got natural ability to play footy and you can play it quite easily. But if you, you're not performing, you know, that's like alarm bells for you kind of thing going, what's wrong with me or what's happening kind of thing. Would you say, yeah, in that? A little bit like that, yeah. Um, and the thing was is, um, I guess like you say, without without sounding like a a, a tool, um, yeah. you know, I did have a bit of natural talent and it got me through. Like we had a pretty successful year at Narrabri that year and we made a grand final. Um, we lost the grand final, but we had a pretty successful year and, you know, I wasn't playing bad footy. I just wasn't playing good footy. It was sort of... I was I was a safe safe enough player, and I did some good things, but I was hardly doing what I could do. Um, and but I enjoyed the year enough, and I decided that I wasn't going to go back to Sydney after that, um, and um, sort of settled back into country life again. Um, and then um, yeah, spent a few years sort of. Uh, two two more years in Narrabri where yeah, I was just doing doing my thing and you know it wasn't really I guess I was, I was slacking a little bit like yep. I wasn't just going through uh, the I hadn't really no just going through yeah, the yeah I had no no none at all and I had no motivation to better myself or I was just happy to just cruise along and yep. um then um then injury struck again um. Yep. This one, the most serious of the lot, I, um, I dislocated my ankle um, playing, uh, playing footy um, and uh, had, to, had to get a, a pretty decent surgery, um, a couple of bolts put in my leg and um, I actually did sort of the right things with this one. I'd, um, they'd sort of said that, um, you know, some people don't play footy after this. Yeah. Um, I'd, uh, I did a... A grade three syndesmosis tear, which basically tore the ligament completely um, between my tibia and my fibula, um, and um, yeah, had to basically get them put back together. Um, so it was f- four months on crutches. Um, I did all the right things, but when you're on crutches for four months, then you eat and drink like I was doing. Um, yeah. I ballooned out to the heaviest that I ever got. I'd, um, I'd normally play about 90 kilos playing weight, um, and I was 120. Um, oh. 
big difference. Very unhealthy. Um, but yeah, um, but it was it was around this time. Um, yeah, I'd I'd really after I got was able to run again, I I really hooked in and I'd um I was really probably the best I'd been headspace wise. And I'd actually decided I was going to have another crack at going back to Sydney for that next season. Um, and I was training really hard with the motivation to to head back um, and had already talked to a few people at the club about coming back um, and was really getting myself in some sort of shape to make a good go of it. Um, and then um, around this time um, was um, my current, my wife um, yeah. of nearly 10 years now, um, we'd started to sort of talk a bit more and um, she sort of, um, <laughs> she tries to tell this story a bit, bit differently to me, but um, <laughs> my, my story's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, she, uh, she was chasing me pretty hard. <laughs> she, was, she was sort of chasing me pretty hard and I sort of just said, look, um, I do like you, but I think I'm, I want to. I want to give this Sydney thing one more crack. And anyway, she uh, she wore me down, and I end up staying. Um, <laughs> I don't regret it. I like to tease her that and yeah. say that she she caught me bloody going back to Sydney, just <laughs> mucking around. But yeah, um, yeah, we um, I stayed, and um, said I don't regret that at all. And that was a really like a bit of a turning point. Um, mm-hmm. I started to, you know, we got, we got pretty serious pretty early on and um, we're engaged after under a year. Yeah, um, real, real quick. We'd known question. each other for a few years previously. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we, we'd known each other for, for a few years previously. So it wasn't like I was uh, getting engaged to a stranger or anything, but still only sort of, yeah, I think it was about 10 months and yeah. I um, popped the question. Um, and that's when I sort of started to get a bit more serious about life and setting a few goals and trying to better myself a lot more. But I was still, I was still having a few head noises yeah. um, and it was affecting our relationship a little bit. And um, when um, when she got pregnant with my, my daughter, um, she um, obviously – she wasn't drinking while we we're pregnant and while she was pregnant and I sort of just out of courtesy stopped drinking just, um, you know, she couldn't, I couldn't sort of thing. Yeah. And I just started to notice how mentally I was a lot better. Um, and I'd sort of just in the back of my head started thinking maybe, maybe, you know, alcohol was causing a few chemical imbalances in my head. Um, and then when Ali was born, um, you know, I, I kind of made a decision that I wanted to be in her life as much as possible. And, yeah. you know, I play a lot of sport and I, I was um, I was working pretty long hours at the time. And so I sort of just stopped drinking then as well just to, so I was spending like Sundays. Um, and she was my pride and joy at the time. Like, um, And I guess I just sort of stopped drinking more and more over a period of time. And then um, when my boy was born um, a couple of years later, I, I just remember sitting on the couch and we're watching TV with me and I said, do you notice that I don't really have those those mood swings anymore? 
And Megan said, yeah, I, I have actually noticed that a little bit. And I said, well, said, I don't really drink anymore. Do you think that might be some sort of cause to it? And yeah. she sort of shrugged her shoulders and went, you know, maybe. And then so I sort of just made a decision there and there to just give it up totally. So Wow. So you sort of made it. You yeah. made that decision through your own, like that, through that journey of you know giving up or easing off the drink, and then sort of realizing that you're you're a different person when you're on it and when you weren't. Because that's a hard thing for a lot of people sometimes to to know, you know, or or use. You know, just use it as an excuse sometimes. But for you to be able to identify it and then go, actually, maybe it's something that I don't need anymore moving forward. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's pretty much how it went. So it was. It was easing off because of. So like, cause I, I was never an alcoholic, and that's yeah. the thing. Uh, it was never like I like I was. I needed it. Um, it was more of a case of once I once I had some, I wanted more. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just through my social situation with family, young family, and stuff, and and enjoying that family life and the dad life and the husband life and that kind of thing. I just sort of slowed down and then realised how much of a better person I was mentally. Um, probably a better person to live with, um, not getting those crazy ups and downs. And um, so I didn't really tell anyone to start off with. It was just me and Megan that um, that sort of knew about it at the time. Yes. And it was probably – and I just started avoiding social occasions where they were drinking so I didn't have to talk about it really. Yeah. Um for that 12 months. Um, and then after, after I ticked over 12 months, I sort of made a comment to um, someone that, you know, I haven't had a drink for 12 months. I'm like, what? Really? Like, sort of, and then it sort of, you know, it came out a little bit and I'd, there's a, yeah, it was, it was a shock to some because I guess I just avoided everyone so much. They yeah. didn't even notice. Um, they just thought I was all loved up, I guess. And they were all like, oh, he's under the thumb. He doesn't come out uh, anymore. He's so, not allowed to come out with the boys uh, anymore. <laughs> Megan probably, yeah, so Megan probably copped the brunt of it all, which um, is funny because she's pretty cool as a wife with that kind of stuff. So uh, I think she was pretty offended. Like She prides herself on me and sort of um, letting, letting me be one of the boys. So, um, But, um, yeah, and I... I'd made a comment to there's a um, a charity here called Sober in the Country, yeah. Um, that's now a nationally registered charity um, helping alcoholic space in the country, and I just made a comment to to the owner, like the um, the organizer of this charity, that I hadn't had a drink for twelve months, and um, she just said, "Can I do it?" can I do a blog on that? And I said, go, go for your life. You know, she had a little website there and she just did a little bit of a blog. And I don't think she was expecting to get the depth that she got. Um, she sort of just saw, oh, yeah, so you decide to give up grog. That's really cool sort of thing. And then I just made the comment about the sort of spiraling pretty much what we've just talked about here with the last couple of years in Sydney and how it was sort of a spiraling effect. And this is where I'd got to, and this is why. And she sort of, um, she just paused for a second and was just sort of got a tape recorder out and just sort of went, hang on, let's start this again sort of thing and change the whole story. And unbeknownst to me, she'd actually been a uh, Australian story. We're doing a, um, a story on her and her journey through alcoholism. Oh. Um, and from the blog, they, um, they read through the blog um, while I was doing her Australian story piece. 
and thought there was probably something there. So um, I didn't end up making the final cut. Um, <laughs> but they did a uh, – they ended up doing – they asked if they could do a side piece uh, just for the internet. So it was a, you know, a, a three-minute clip or something. Yeah. Um, but it, even that actually um, – it spiraled from something that they just thought they were doing a little puff piece to they um, that actually finished. And then I just made a joke about different little stories. And he said, mate, just shut up for a sec. He said, turn the cameras back on again. So I turned the cameras back on and he goes, tell me everything you just said then in front of the camera. And it was just little things like the, the cultural stuff with it. So, yep. um, you know, the whole, like the bit he was really interested in was the whole, you know, you're less of a man if you're not having a beer or whatever. And I was sort of just saying how, like, absolutely thought that for the first little bit. And that's why I probably avoided places because I just didn't want the, the bullshit that went. Yeah. Kind of, the no, that's cool. That went yeah. with it, like, about that. Um, and I just sort of said I got to the point in my life where I was just so comfortable in life with my family, my job, my kids, um, that I just didn't care anymore. And that's what I said. It's, it's, it's probably a hard one to sort of use an example for people that might be trying to do the same thing because I just got that level of confidence where I just didn't care anymore what people thought um, yeah. because I was just so happy with my life. And I guess I credit that to my parents and my wife and my kids for yeah. getting me to a state where I was just so happy with my life that I could do something like this. You're, you're, um, com- you're comfortable in your own skin kind of thing in the end, you know, before you're probably trying to, like you said, live two different lives, you know, like being, you know, introvert really tucked away and then going out being real loud, but you weren't either of them. You're sort of in between, but you weren't able to allow yourself to do that because you didn't know how to. And, I think that story, what you shared, I've seen that little clip too. It's so relatable to so many people, like country definitely, but also city life people as well because we all have people go through different experiences and struggles and all that too. But I think we, the hardest thing is trying to feel comfortable within ourselves, and I think getting control within us is probably the most powerful thing and it sounds like you sort of went along that journey and experienced that um, and now you can see the benefits and you need a good support network around you, like you mentioned, you know, family, wife, kids and all that. They can sort of definitely help you um, on that path as well, which is pretty cool. And you must feel a bit – you might, you must feel inspired or, you know, pretty proud of what you've done and now maybe having a little impact, even though that's not what you're out there to do, but to see other people able to go, oh, if he's done it or if he's able to do it, maybe I can do it as well. Yeah, well, it was – you're 100%. It was the flow and effect that – I had underestimated. Um, like I, I did it for myself. I didn't do it for anyone else. Um, I did it for my family. Um, but then I said the little Australian story piece, um, you know, my phone ran hot for the next um, sort of couple of weeks after that with yeah. uh, people getting in contact, asking advice, uh, telling story, their own story, um, and it absolutely had an effect. I, when they approached me about this strange story stuff, I said yes because, like, I see where people have, like, I see in a small town like this where people aren't reaching their potential because of, you know, drugs, alcohol, yeah, um, you know, situations. And I thought, look, if 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 one person, you know, sees this and wants to make a change because of it, then it's a win. Um, but 
yeah, and it, and it absolutely did. There was more than one, which was, and it was people that I never would have picked um, that got in contact with me. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah. And then from that, I actually got approached by um, our um, local community aid service to do talks in schools. And um, again, the flowing effect from that was, you know, kids have, you know, seen me and they've, you know, made comments or they're, you know, and they just, um, you know, they're, they ha- they're happy to tell me that, oh, I made this rep side the other day in this footy thing, you know, like, or, you know, oh, do you know, did you, did you, did you hear I scored runs in cricket the other day and stuff like yeah. that. And it's, um, yeah, I guess it's, you know, it's nice to be a role model for someone. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a ripple effect. Like you said, it's a flow on ripple effect. You, you just, you know, you planted the seed and now you can see, and it, it's so in- inspiring to see younger people or even older people to be able to then start doing it themselves and experiencing what you've experienced. Cause I think that's one of the things we sort of, I don't know from my personal, I love seeing people succeed and be happy and do the things they really want to do. Cause I think that's what life's about in the end, but um, leading on to that. So did, did you have the gym before that or did you start that up after? Cause fitness and training's always been something, a high passion of yours. And now, You've got your, um, you've got a gym and everything too. So how did that come about? Yeah, so that um, it um, it was actually the gym was sort of either side of it. So we got the gym. Um, oh, I think Megan was pregnant with Ali. I think it was yeah, two thousand and sixteen. Yeah. Um, oh, no, so Ali was already born actually. So yeah, <laughs> pregnant with Nate actually, my, my boy. Um, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, that sort of come about, I'd, I'd sort of just started to, you know, think more about it as a profession and one of the local PTs in town that's, um, um, jazz, um, he was just amazing for me. Um, started just doing a little bit of work with him and the gym, the local gym was for sale and anytime fitness had just come to town. So, the local gym was for sale and no one really wanted to touch it. They didn't want to go up against the franchise, but, you know, it had so much potential. And Narrabri is one town that really does, you know, support local. So um, Jazz had sort of said to me, mate, you, I think you should look at this. And I sort of went, mate, I've never run a business. I can't sort of do this. Um, and he sort of egged me on and egged me on and egged me on. And then, um, um, yeah, I... Um, I'd been approached by Anytime Fitness to actually do some training out of there. And I just said, look, I, I'd like to run a, run a gym. And he sort of, the owner, you know, put it as like a, or, you know, you don't know what sort of goes into running a, running a business sort of thing. And, you know, I took offense to it. Yeah. And okay. where I've changed as I've got older and I guess hardened up a little bit, was I pretty much just went, well, I'm going to show you like <laughs> probably what I should have been doing, you know, when I was coming back from those injuries or when Dan Brown dropped me to seconds. Yeah. I pretty much just made this life-changing decision on the spot and rang the owners of the, the local gym and just said, mate, what I'm, I'm, I want to buy your, your business. I'll, um, you know, I'm going to show this guy sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and um, just took offence to it, and I was like, oh, "I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna stick my finger up this guy and show yeah. him sort of thing." And 
Well, it's that competitive um, nature in you as well where you're like, no, I can prove you wrong. I can do this. And and maybe that's probably the thing you needed. You need to hear that from that guy to make you go, well, you know, I'll make this happen. You know, to sort of, yeah. you know, to spark the, you know, the the opportunity for something like to come about, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, you might have just let Absolutely. it go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I'd been, Jazz had been talking about it for six months and it was this one throwaway comment that, Oh, I mean, it probably wasn't even being offensive, but I've just taken it like that. And I guess maybe that's the one thing that, you know, when I was having the big ups and downs, maybe it was that I've always been a really competitive person and maybe there was parts of me that just lost that bit of um, drive sort of thing, like to prove someone wrong or whatever, because as I said, fitness is a big part of my life now and um, I train pretty heavily and actually with the fitness side of things um i got a um shout out to a guy um chris feather from 98 gym in sydney yep. um he was the one that really uh opened my eyes to fitness um very different style um jim jones fitness of america um he brought it to australia um i remember reading it about it in a men's health magazine and um reading an article that he'd written for Men's Health and um, they had an open day at their gym and I was actually going down to play footy in Sydney for a knockout carnival, but we were playing the day of the open open of the open day. So I, I emailed and just sort of said, look, I'm really keen to sort of, I like, I love the way it's a very competitive, you know, hard-ass style of fitness. It's all mental strength, physical strength, and I just bought into it so much, um, and um, I just said, "Look, mate, can I can I come and talk to you the day before?" And he was great, absolute legend. I got in there the day before and had a bit of a look around, just talk talk fitness with him, and it just it was the thing. It was a real t- turning point for me, yeah. Um, in that it it really sparked that competitive nature, and then from then on, um. Yeah, it's it's everything's been. I've just got that competitive drive back, and it's and it's translated into life now. Like with the gym, like you know, I want to be successful at everything. Like yeah. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best dad. I want to be the best business owner. I want to be the fastest on a bike. I want to be the fastest runner. Like I'm never going to be a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but it makes me want to try to be. Um. And there's a saying that they throw around, around a lot at that gym is um, strong people are harder to kill. And it's yeah. it's not just physically strong, it's mentally strong. Like if you are mentally strong, you fight back from stuff. And that's the change. If I was mentally strong back in those Colts days when I'd been dropped, yeah, you know, I don't just go, you know, flip flipping the bird and go, well, mm. whatever, you're wrong. I might still flip him the bird, but then I go down the ovals and I train up and prove yeah. him wrong. Sort of, sort of what that and guy. I think I was any, like, sort of like, sorry to interrupt, but the guy from Anytime Fitness, he told you that nah, you're not going to make it. So you sort of, you were like, no, I can do this, and you sort of put the hard work in or found the way to make it happen. And I think you're right. You, and the structural side of us when we're in a gym and all that is so important. But the building that foundation is really important, but building the foundation within the mental side is only as important or even more important to make you keep growing. Cause otherwise you can only go so far 
and you just get or you just get kept getting cut down on, and you won't overcome those challenges or hurdles where it sounds like that's what you've done with getting a clearer understanding you know through fitness and having a mentor like um you know chris from 98 as well it's chris isn't it from 98 yeah yeah chris yeah 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 you know like it seems like he's been really good as a mentor or just a person there to be supportive and sort of he can see the potential in you yeah, absolutely. Um, Chris and, and Kev also, who's another uh, trainer there at, at 98. Um, yeah, yeah the same sort of thing. I just absolutely idolise them and their their outlook on on that kind of stuff. With yeah, and it's just it's been life changing in that I can identify little things like what you say. Like I at the time it was just me just going, well, screw you, I'll show yeah. you. When now I can actually identify that that's where it comes from. And I then also look back on my life and go, you know, that's a situation where I wish I was mentally strong at that time to have fought back harder rather than chucking the towel. And now I look at any sort of challenges I'm thrown and, you know, 2020 has been a pretty challenging year. I was yeah. shut for three, my, my business was shut for three months. But, <laughs> um, yeah, like, um I'm the situation I'm in mentally now and I feel like I'm a real mentally strong person. Yeah. It, you know, it was water off a duck's back. Like, um, you know, adapted, found ways around it, you know. And that's the only way you can do um, it too. You can't you can't sit there and feel sorry for yourself. You just got to go. Well, this is what I've got, and everyone else is in, in this situation dealing with like having. But the ones who are open and you know happy to challenge and change things or adapt to things are the ones who are going to grow. Otherwise, you're just going to be stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny. Like I've got to the point where, of it's almost like I'm creating, um, creating doubters to, to you know do something like, I don't know. To, to prove something to no one like yep. it's um my wife always laughs like i'll go do some like crazy fitness challenge and she was, and you know she's like you know what what like why you I was like no because yeah you know, I, you know, I can bloody blah blah said that i couldn't do it and they said blah blah was just you know mucking around like yeah. i was like i'll show them like <laughs> um yeah you know, um yeah, like um, someone made some comment about how hot it is in Narrabri last summer. So I went and did a 10K run in 40-degree heat at 2 o'clock in the Arvo. And I'll get back and Megan's like, why would you even do that, you idiot? And I was like, oh, because someone was saying how hot Narrabri is. And I was like, oh, it's not that hot. Toughen up. Like, um, you know, you know, it's okay. Like, um, just harden up. Like, it's... I found myself just creating competition out of stuff that's not even competition. <laughs> yeah, you create your own competition. That's what you're trying to, you know, yeah. with everything yeah. around you. Yeah. Mate, I know you've got to head off, so I'm going to um, end up now, but I appreciate you spending the time and giving us a bit of insight about, you know, your journey today. Um, two questions. What gives you purpose? What gives me purpose? Um, look, family, um, first and foremost. Um my wife, my kids, my mum and dad, my brother, um, you know, my whole family just makes me want to be alive. Um, and, um, yeah, that's that's number one, really. Um, I don't even know if I could pull a second one out. I think everything relates back to that. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's sort yeah. of showing that through your journey as yeah. well with them being around you and, help you know, through those times and that's sort of giving you also the – 
seen the other side of where you come from, you know, where you were and to where you are now. They've always been there and sort of the key key link to it all. Absolutely. They're the catalyst. And, um, you know, I've always wanted to make my parents proud of me. Um, I've always wanted to make my wife proud of me since we've been together. And I want to give my kids someone to look up to. And like my dad was for me, like my dad was my hero. I want my kids to look at me as a hero. So I've got to give them something to look up to. And, um, you know, it's a it's a throwaway line that you die for your kids and all that kind of, you die for your family and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's, that's how I said it. I mean, I'd, yeah, that's pretty much my sole purpose in life. It's to, um, you know, is my family. Awesome, mate. What a, no, it's a perfect response. I love it. Um, last of all, as a country boy, but I ask all the guests, favourite destination you've been to and you'd like to go to anywhere around the world? Or... Ooh. Um, geez, Fiji was good. Yeah. It's a tough one to beat. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, yeah, the company was pretty good over there too. Yeah, that, that <laughs> so made it, was, it. Uh, it was a good little boys trip over there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much of Fiji we actually saw. Um, <laughs> oh, I love I, I love the look of Hawaii. I've never been there. Yeah. Um, oh, America! I love America. Yeah. I love the look of America. I'd love just to one day, if I ever could, just jump in. You know, fly into LAX and and fly out of. Um, JFK, um, yep. just basically just jump in a car and drive from one one side of America to another. Road trip. I'm probably going to run with that actually. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. That'd be good. Just a road got- trip from one side of America to another. You'll need a lot of time to get across, like to cover all, all that um, territory. It's a lot. Yeah, mate, she's <laughs> she's the pipe dream that one. I can yeah. tell you. <laughs> Future, you may be able to give um, give it a good crack anyway, and see what you can get up. Yeah. Appreciate you giving us, um, you know, a bit of insight, and I really enjoyed having that chat with you. And probably wouldn't mind catching yeah. up again for another chat. Just, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, so, mate. Yeah, no, it was good. Cheers, mate. It was good to catch up. I said mate. it's been a few years. <laughs>